The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. I can still recall the day when Jesus saved my soul. The title of the message is You Choose Your Future. It's always been interesting to me how God sets up the scenario that you literally choose your future. You say, I'd really like to go to heaven and have a lot of, oh, I'd like to have mansions and I'd like to have all of this uh, good stuff in heaven. I hope I don't spend eternity in a little square box about four before. Uh, but I hope I have something, you know, Jesus said he goes to prepare a place for us. It's been said God can only prepare what you send forward in obedience to him. I believe God gives us a choice. I think it's a real choice. I don't think it's a flim-flam choice. I don't think there's a a conspiracy mentality, double meaning on words and all that other stuff. I believe God says what he means and means what he says, and he says it to where the average average person can understand it. The uh, grade level of most of the King James Bible is about fourth grade, vocabulary level. There's about one book, I think it's Nehemiah, who, who they, they say is about ninth grade vocabulary level. But the rest of the books are fourth, fifth, sixth grade level vocabulary. In other words, God wrote the Bible in the common language to be understood, not to be, not to hide things from us. God has written it so you can know it. And so let's take your Bibles, if you would, start out with Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26 through 28. And I believe this is the foundation for the whole message, and I want to take off of this, show you some other places. i got, like I say, an extensive amount of work to do here in 30 minutes. I hope you'll stick with me and uh, hang in there and ask God to give you something. I believe that you'll only get out of this message what you want to get out, meaning if you'll come to church hungering and thirsting after righteousness, God will fill you. And you'll leave and say, boy, I got something out of that message. If you come to church, you worked all night or fished all night, and let's just say fished all night, and uh, you're tired and you're bored, you're shot, you're probably not going to get anything out of it because you didn't give God your best. You want to come to church with your best. But if I got a big exam that a lot of a lot of us weighs on this final exam I'm taking, I'm telling you what, I want to be in my best mind. I want to have I want to eat right, take vitamin C and all that other stuff, and I want to get enough sleep to where I go to that exam and I'm able to think clearly and do well on the exam. How much more important is every Sunday morning, every Sunday night? Because God's word is being preached, and you come to God and you say, I want something. This preacher's no good, but I want something. I don't think as much depends on the preacher as you think it does. I think it depends a whole lot on you and where you're at, where your mind's at, where your heart's at. If you're hard and in sin somewhere, you're probably not going to get anything out of here and say, I'm boring. But if you're, if you're hungering and thirsting, God will come to you this morning. He'll talk to you. In verse 26, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. That's indicative that you've got a choice. I set before you a blessing and a curse. A blessing if ye obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. A curse 
if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way, which I command you this day, to go after other gods, which ye have not known. Now, to me, this is just as clear as a person can talk to another person. God says, I've set before you a choice. If you listen to me and obey, you're going to be blessed to the place of knocking your socks off. If you disobey and go into your own imagination of your heart and make the stuff up on your own, you're going to find a curse that will knock your socks off. We have been given real freedom of choice. All the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden, he said, do not eat of that tree. It is a tree of forbidden fruit. Don't eat of it. Why did God? And I, I, put, on, I put on Facebook this week that in every garden of God, there is a tree of good and evil. God believes in giving you choices to find out who you really are. The only possible way to find out who you are is to have a real scenario of choices, not some twisted Calvinistic explanation of some sort of fake choice. A real, vital choice in life. The crazy thing is, is how how carelessly many wield this sword, this privilege of choice. Some misunderstand God's perspective of our freedom. They take his foreknowledge. The Bible says, to whom God foreknew, them he also did predestinate. They take this foreknowledge of God to be determinative knowledge rather than informative knowledge. God, because he foreknows, now can react but it does not go so far as to say he determines your choices. He gives you, in his foreknowledge, he knows your choices, all of your choices from the day you were born till the day you die. Consequently, God can react to those choices. It's information for him, but it is not in any way taking away from your responsibility to choose, as the Calvinists may say. God foreknows events and actions and reactions. He's not surprised. He can react and implement his plans with those with that understanding in mind. Thus, he gets a predictable end based on his foreknowledge of future events. Every word of that was important. I think of Judas Iscariot, maybe one of the most clear examples. He's not leaving because he's mad. He's just leaving because... He sang too much. I think of Judas. Jesus picked Judas, hand-picked him. He was listed with the 12 disciples. Judas was never in doubt. Uh, Jesus, let me say, was never in doubt of who Judas was. He chose him, and he knew Judas did not believe unto salvation. I believe Judas was carnally motivated, looking for a king, a liberator, to liberate the nation of Israel from the Romans. He was not looking for the Isaiah 53 Messiah that would die for the sins of the world. He was looking for a carnal, humanistic liberator. Judas was so well hidden among the disciples uh, that they had no clue that he would be the one to betray Jesus. How do I know that? 
Well, when Jesus said that one of the, one of when at the Last Supper, when he told the disciples, one of you will betray me, uh, it says in Mark chapter 14, verse 18 through 19, and as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you that one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful. They began to be sorrowful. And said unto him, one by one, get that, Mark chapter 14, one by one, is it I? That means Peter looked at Jesus and said, is it I? That means James looked at Jesus and said, is it I? That means John looked at Jesus and said, that's the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, looked at him and said, is it I? The Bible says one by one. When he says, one of you will betray me, you notice that they did not have an overabundance of self-confidence that they were so righteous and that they were so good that it wouldn't be them because they had learned by this time when Jesus says something, it's going to happen. And so he said, one of you will betray me. And they were like, oh, is it me? Is it? And so in, in John chapter 13, verse 27, 29, let me read. After the sop that Jesus dipped in the sop, he said, the one I dip in the sop and give it to will betray me. And he says, he dipped the sop, Satan entered into him, that is Judas, then said Jesus unto Judas, or him, uh, that thou doest too quickly. Now, the disciples see all this. This is, a, this is a small room with a small group of people. And here's what the Bible says in John chapter 13, verse 28. Now, no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that is the bag of money, that Jesus sent it to him, buy those things which you have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Judas chose the immediate over the permanent. His choice was for the now kingdom, the carnality of what he saw. He wanted Jesus to be a king. In fact, it says in John, they tried to take Jesus by force and make him a king. But Jesus did not come to be a king. He came as a lamb. The sin question, our sin had to be propitiated, had to be paid for, by his blood prior to him becoming the king of kings and the Lord of lords, which still, by the way, is in the future. And we're looking forward to his coming almost 2,000 years now. We've looked forward to it. Judas will be held accountable for his future. Judas determined his future. He determined his future by his choices, just like you are determining your future by your choices. No one forced Judas to to betray Jesus. But when he did, he did not believe who Jesus was. I believe tried to make Jesus do something else other than what Jesus said he was going to do, which was go to Jerusalem, be betrayed of the elders, and be crucified and be raised the third day. Uh, Judas heard the same words as the rest of those, but because he was not spiritual, he was not born of, of the Spirit of God, he had not trusted Christ as the Messiah, but was trusting Jesus as the King to come and liberate them. He chose to force Jesus' hand by betraying him to the Sanhedrin, to the Pharisees and Sadducees and Rhodians who hated him, and I think with all my heart that when the, when the Judas led that army up to Jesus and he went over to him and gave him a kiss on the cheek and to tell them this is the one, this is the Jesus, this is who he is, 
I think he did, I didn't think I don't think for a minute Judas thought that that, that they were going to be able to do anything to Jesus. It says in John and only in John that when he says it is I, they all fell backwards. Think about it. We're talking about the creator of all that is. We're about when he said let there be light, there was light. When he said let the dry land be separated from the from the from the uh, cloud, it it did. There was everything Jesus said happened. Why? Because he was God manifest in the flesh. And I think Judas, having seen three years where the miracles that no man could do ever did before him, the Bible just records a small, small portion of what Jesus did. I think he thought when those guards come up to him to try to take him, he's going to finally manifest himself as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's going to be the king of Israel, whether he likes it or not. He's not going to go to be, be, be crucified, be betrayed. and why, why, he can walk on water. He can steal the storm by a word, peace be still. He can give blind to people that were, he can give sight to people who were born blind. He can take somebody all with twisted limbs and make them straight and whole right before everybody's eyes. Totally undeniable. But he did not receive Christ as a spiritual Savior, but the carnal Savior. The liberated souls of Egypt were given a free choice according to our text in Deuteronomy chapter 11. He says, I set before you this day. God does not mock us, and neither is he mocked. When he says you have a choice, it's a real choice. It's a choice. They could obey and reap the past uh, a blessing, or they could disobey and reap curses past their own imagination. What would it be? the children of Israel. Well, many of you have already read the last chapter. You know what happened to Israel. A few times God reiterated to them along the way. Take your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 29. You're in Deuteronomy chapter 11. Go to Deuteronomy 29. This is a long passage. Let me read it quickly. This is written about 1406 B.C. under inspiration of the Holy Spirit by God through Moses. In verse 20, 18, let me say, Lest there should be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord or our God to go and to serve the gods of these nations. Lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. And it come to pass when ye heareth the words of this curse that he blessed himself in his heart, saying, I have peace, though I walk in the imagination of my heart, to add drunkenness to thirst. And the Lord will not spare him, but then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against that man, and all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him, and the Lord shall blot out his name from under heaven. And the Lord shall separate him unto evil out of all the tribes of Israel according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in this book of the law so that the generation to come of your children that shall rise up after you and the stranger that shall come in from a far land shall say, when they see the plagues of that land and the sicknesses, the sicknesses, you wonder why we got so many sicknesses in America, which the Lord hath laid upon it. And the whole land shall thereof is brimstone and salt and burning and not sowing nor beareth of any grass groweth. Sounds like an atomic bomb to me. 
therein like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah and Adma and Zeboam, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and his wrath, even all nations shall say, Wherefore hath the Lord done thus unto this land? What meaneth the heat of this great anger? Then men shall say, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. For they went and served other gods and worshipped them, gods whom they knew not, of whom they had not given unto them. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against this land and to bring it upon it all the curses that are written in, in this book. And the Lord rooted them out of their land in anger and in wrath and in great indignation and cast them into a land, another land, as it is this day. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and our children forever that they may do all the words of this law. In other words, we get to know how God does things because you've trusted him as your personal Savior, hopefully by the grace of God, you know Christ, you read the Bible, and when you read the Bible, you get in on the secret things of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, he says it again, verse 19. He says, I call heaven and earth to re record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, he says, I set before you a blessing or a curse. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, he explains if you, if you turn away from God, this is what comes because of your choice. And in Deuteronomy chapter 13, he tells them again, I call heaven and earth to record to say against you, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, listen to what Moses says, choose life. You've heard that, haven't you? Choose life that those that both thou and thy seed may live. Many times God, God put out his hand to his people and still does in mercy and compassion and calls them back to himself. Joshua, I think of Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Joshua said to the people, he said, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you. That's that freedom of choice. Choose you this day whom ye will serve whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. By the way, the Bible never questions whether there was a flood. It was a flood and it was worldwide. Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, I like that, don't you? We will serve the Lord. That's a choice. I have that above the door going outside of my, my front door going outside. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What is that? It's a choice. A choice. 18 years old, I put my hand down with God and I said, I choose you. I choose life. Folks, you can go around and try if you want to to blame everybody around you for your problems, but that is the wrong way to look at it. You need to look inside. And you need to look to God and say, God, you are the giver of all that is, the blesser of all that's blessed, the curser of all that's cursed. I choose you. And God said, you choose me. I will knock your socks off with blessing. Now, I'm not talking health and wealth. I'm not talking that you're going to get a new Harley Davidson Ultra Classic totally loaded. 
That's just for a few. I'm not saying you're not, however. What I'm saying is, God will bless you in a hundred directions. He'll bless your ingoing and your outgoing. He'll bless your rising up and your sitting down. He'll bless your sleep. He'll bless your waking hours. He'll bless you. He'll get, put a song in your heart and a spring in your step, brother. At 64, I'm more convinced there's a God than I ever was at 18. God has kept every word, every promise, every little jot, every little tittle of his word has come so. It is so. God may, there's a warning in scripture about choice, however. God may harden you after you choose not to serve him. I try, to, I try to warn people when they come to services like this, if you haven't been to church much, or maybe this is your first time you've been to church in a long time, I try to warn you, you, you come in, you hear the truth. Whether you like it or not, you, you, made a, you make a choice before you hit that door. I don't, I don't mean getting a free T-shirt or a free hat. But you're going to make a choice whether you believe it or don't believe it. If you believe God and the Word of God, and you, you, I mean, you know, I don't blame you for searching. I don't necessarily believe what that preacher's saying. Fine, take your Bible. I give you the passages. You can get this on the internet. You can you can get this on DVD. You can look at it. But brother, when I present this, it challenges you before God Almighty to do it or not do it. But there is no neutral. There is no neutral. I think a Pharaoh. People say, well, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. The only reason he hardened Pharaoh's heart is because Pharaoh hardened his heart. Chapter 3 says that when, when at, the, at the burning bush, when he's talking to old uh, Moses about going before Pharaoh, and who knew Pharaoh more than Moses? Who knew that whole lifestyle more than Moses being raised as Pharaoh's, as Pharaoh's son, as Pharaoh's daughter's son? I mean, who was educated in all the learning and wisdom of Egypt more than Moses? Nobody. He knew their pride. He knew they called themselves gods. What? Think about it in your mind. What person has enough ego to call themselves a god? They know they get up in the morning just like everybody else. They know that they eat like everybody else. They know what you do after you eat like everybody else. They know they smell like everybody else. They know they have tooth decays like everybody else. Those Egyptians were so full of themselves, that elite ruling group to the place they called themselves gods and received worship for it. Pharaoh, the Bible says, you read chapter 3, he says, I know Pharaoh. This is that for who he foreknew. Let me also call. I know Pharaoh that he won't let you go. I know the pride of Pharaoh. Uh, the Calvinists will say, well, there you go. There's an example of God hardening a guy, whether he liked No, no. Pharaoh was not savable. God, in his foreknowledge, knew that under no circumstances would Pharaoh ever choose him. He would always go for his pride. He didn't, he didn't, all God did was solidify the choice that Pharaoh already had made. You say, Brother Bill, can you prove that? I, I actually can. Take your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. 
Proverbs chapter 1. While you're doing that, I think I'll get a drink of water. Verse 23. Turn you at my reproof. Make a choice. I reprove you. Turn. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. That's big. I will make known my words unto you. That's real big. Because I have called, and he refused. Now, he says to the first group, those, those, who, those who respond to me and say yes to me, I'll come to you, I'll give you my Holy Spirit, you'll learn my word, it'll be wonderful. But right away he goes to that other group who says, no, I called. Did he call on those who received him? Yes. Did he call on those who said no? Yes. He says, and you refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. God loves you more than anybody loves you. That God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, stood back while they scourged him, stood back while they plucked his beard out, stood back while they spit upon his son. How many of you would do that? He loved you. He knew that if Jesus didn't die on the cross, every one of you would go to hell, including myself. The Bible says it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to redemption. 1 Peter 3, 9. And then he said, and no man regarding, look at verse 25, but ye have set at naught all my counsel and would none of my reproof. You hardened your heart like Pharaoh. I don't need that. That's not necessarily God. And in fact, on that you began to judge God and say, if God was good, he would do this or he would do that. If God was good, he wouldn't have taken my daughter. He wouldn't have taken my son. If God was good, my kid wouldn't be rebellious. My kid will be obedient. And you begin to question the very, the very character of God Almighty. You actually, to do that, must be bigger than God. You don't judge anybody unless they're under you in authority. He says, I'll laugh. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. You can read the rest of that passage. With choice comes responsibility. With choice comes accountability. And we are given the privilege of choice, but with that privilege is a warning. If you abuse your choices, you will be abused by those choices. If you will believe the truth, because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light. If you believe it to be so and begin to follow it, God will show himself unto you and as a compassionate and tender spirit of God, as he is. Isaiah 66 repeats almost what uh, Proverbs says. Isaiah 664 says, I will also, I will, I also will choose their delusions and will bring their fears upon them, because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear, but they did evil before mine eyes and chose that in I, which I delighted not. Matthew chapter 23, maybe as clear as anywhere in the New Testament, says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. 
Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings. And then the final phrase that, that disclinches, I believe, the fact that you have an honest, open, free choice. And ye would not. Jesus, God manifests in the flesh, looking over Jerusalem says, I would have gathered you like a, like a hen. A hen will sacrifice herself for her chicks. I've seen it. A hen will sacrifice herself for her chicks. And God says, I'd have sacrificed. If you'd come in, I'd put you under my wings and protect you. But you have a free choice. And you would not. And what's the next verse? Maybe the most sober. Because of that choice of not, behold, your house is left unto you desolate. And I want to tell everybody here today, if you do what these people did, your house will be left unto you desolate. Everything that's called good, you won't be able to quite get. God will keep it from you. In Romans, my last passage, Romans chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, New Testament, I showed you Old Testament, chapter 11, chapter 28, Deuteronomy, chapter 30, Joshua 24, Isaiah, Proverbs, Matthew, now we're to Romans, chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. says, but after thy, thy hardness and impenitent heart treasureth up unto thyself. That means God didn't do it so much to you as you're doing it to yourself. What are you doing? You're treasuring up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Who will render to every man according to their deeds? If God is just and honest and fair, and not so much fair as just and honest, then when he gives you an honest choice and it's a real choice and you make it, then you live with the consequences of it. And the Bible says everybody's going to be judged according to their deeds. The only way you can righteously do that is if they actually had a choice in their deeds. Romans chapter 2 verse 7 says, To them who by patience and continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, they receive eternal life. Eternal life. God who is just and not willing that any should perish will judge by your choices in the end. He will resurrect you to they that have done good under the resurrection of life and they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. And we're not saved by works, but we're saved when we hear about Jesus dying on that old rugged cross, shedding his blood on the third day, being raised from the dead in, in payment for your sin. The Bible says it this way, Jesus Christ died for your sin. If you will say, yes, I receive him, I want that for me. I believe he is who he said he is. That's good. That's good. That's what it means by they that have done good. The only good that you and I can do is choose Christ as our Savior and receive all of the good he did for us as a free gift and bathe in it. Bathe in it. You're choosing now. You're determining now what your end will be. May I encourage you, 
children of Israel seemed to be just bent on backsliding. This seemed to be bent on going away from God. He made a statement a few times in Scripture. He says, I've sent my servants unto you, rising and sending earth. God keeps sending people like me as a preacher or other people you've heard. God sends preachers along the way, sends people along the way, sends other folks along the way, sends gospel tracts along the way. He sends maybe TV programs with honest people on them along the way. He sends warnings all along and through your life. Repent. Come to me. I've put my hands out to you. All I can encourage you, keep, don't refuse. Don't refuse. Give him your life. Give him, your, give him what you've got is your decision making. And say, God, I believe in Jesus, that he is who he said he was. He's my Savior. The Bible says that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's good. And then God will begin to guide you as his spirit comes in you and births you. Choice I made some over 46 years ago, and I've been able to join by his grace and by his mercy that happy throng, that happy group of people that said yes to Jesus, who all of the blessings of the book get promised to you. You can say, glory to God, this world don't give me much, but God is my all and all. He's the fulfillment of every dream I ever had and more even past my imagination. I had not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. Do you know Christ? Are you making good decisions? You're determining your future. Father, help us. May the Spirit of God come. May you guide and direct in what's been said. Lord, I know the Holy Spirit's here. I know he's working. I know he's speaking. I know he's convincing. Because that's what you do. There may be some in this audience that have not trusted Christ their personal Savior. They have no real decision that they remember or know of that they said yes to Jesus. Jesus said, except you repent, you all likewise perish. You've never really had any kind of godly, godly sorrow about the sin you've done against God. Because really all of our sins, not so much against man, it's against God. David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. The issue is, have you come to Jesus Christ and repented of your sin? He said, I believe. I believe. The old thief on the cross said, remember me today. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. The old publican beat his chest, wouldn't raise his eyes to heaven, said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It can be said a lot of ways, but it's the same thing. It's your heart submitting to God. Have you submitted your life to God, your heart to God, and said, God, you're right and I'm wrong. You're good, God, and I'm evil. You're my Savior. Have you done it? Have you trusted Him? If you haven't, we'd like to show you how. We'd like to take a few minutes. If you'll come and let us know about it, we'll take a few minutes, show you the Bible like we were shown, and walk you through some Scripture and love to pray with it, Dan. Maybe you'd like to pray and ask Jesus to save you. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to have the curses of the book upon you. God opens today before you a choice. Take it.
take it. Father, help, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.